Last week was Happy Thanksgiving. This morning is Merry Christmas. Isn't that crazy? And just like that, we go into another wild and crazy holiday season. Uh, good morning. Uh, welcome to Timber Creek. I'm Pastor Talia. I'm the Senior Associate Pastor here. It's so good to have all of you guys here with us this morning as we hit uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. How many of you are still coming off of your turkey, uh, what does that think, coma, turkey coma? Why does it make you so sleepy? I think they inject it with something that just makes you sleepy. Uh, I hope everybody had a really great Thanksgiving. I know we did. You know, it's a very uh, traditional time of the year. All of us have all of these different traditions. Um, we have our family traditions, but a lot of people have a tradition that I personally think is pretty crazy, dangerous, and stupid. Now, many of you, you follow this tradition, and let's see a show of hands for those who went Black Friday shopping Thursday night in the middle of the night. Raise your hand. Own it. Do it all the way. Uh-huh. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I remember one year, I decided to find out what all the buzz was about. And so a friend of, my, of mine, Tiffany and I, we decided to head out after around 10 o'clock p.m. for Walmart's Black Friday shopping. Past... I, well, nobody told me not to go to Walmart. <laughs> I just figured, you know, Pastor Alvin wanted a new TV. They had a really big sale. As God is my witness, I thought I was going to die. I'm not a kidding. I show up to Walmart. Number one, didn't even look like Walmart on the inside. Had the whole thing like rearranged. You couldn't even move your buggy. You were like stuck in these aisles with your cart. Like if something went down, you're all dead. You can't even move. It was crazy. To make matters worse, we get the TV, we are loading it out. We had to park all the way back towards Outback Steakhouse, like way out. It's in the middle of the night. We're pushing the TV out, and I turn around, and there's some scary dude following. I'm not kidding you. Following us, and thankfully, Tiffany was newly saved, so she still had a lot of the streets in her. I think she had a knife. <laughs> I promise you, she still had a knife on her. And I was very thankful for her disobedience in the moment and her gruff nature because honestly, like freaked me out. We get there as fast as we could. She's like pushing me forward. Never again, never again will I go Black Friday shopping. And it's Black Friday, but like we've changed it to Thursday. It's crazy traditions that many of us have. We have a totally different transition, uh, transition, tradition. We don't do crazy Black Friday shopping, apparently, but we do crazy Black Friday house decorating. And I mean, from the moment we get up and the coffee kicks in, because I gotta get the coffee in, it is an all-day experience. We tear all the fall decorations down. I think I have a tree in every single room of my house. I mean, we have, Christmas has thrown up in the Vanderlees home. It is crazy, but it is tradition. It's tradition. So uh, the boys, actually, Carter had to go to the doctor. So Car Alvin and Carter left. It was wonderful. And so Victoria and I get in the storage room, and we're pulling out boxes. And uh, we get to this box, and we find something that is a tradition of ours. And it's a tradition of many of yours in here today. Courtney, go and bring it to me. I find our old advent calendar. And it's much prettier now than what it was. It was all, I'll see all the wrinkles. It was crinkled up almost in a little ball in the storage closet. And this is the time of year where many of us as Christians have this tradition uh, called Advent. And many of us, like myself, before studying it more, thought that this was all about just counting down the days to the day we get to open presents. But there's much more to it than that. 
is actually a Christian holiday that is broken up into two different segments. The word Advent comes from a Latin word that means coming. That's it. Coming. But the excitement of Advent is all based in the anticipation of the coming. For kids, it's the coming of presents under the tree. But for those who practice this tradition religiously, it means much more. So I want to take a look at that real closely this morning as we get into our message, advantageous. The definition coming is referring to two different kinds of coming. So hang with me. I'm not going to bore you long on this history lesson. But you need to understand it. Because Advent is broken up into two different parts. The first part, the first two weeks, is all about anticipating the second coming of Christ. Scriptures are read about his second coming. Um, Things are recited. Different traditions. People who hold this religiously have different traditions they do every day leading up to Christmas and beyond. But the first two weeks are about Jesus' second coming. Did you know that? I didn't. The second two weeks is the appreciation and the remembrance of what Jesus Christ already did when he came, his first coming, that first gift God gave us, that gift of his son that he gave all of us, that little baby laying in a manger, yeah, that story is the focus of the second half of Advent. But what you need to understand is that the secret to the success and the fame of Advent is something called anticipation. It is the anticipation of what is coming. It is the appreciation for what God has given us in Jesus, and it is the anticipation that he's not, he's not, he's not gone forever. He's coming back for a pure, spotless, brightest church. He's coming back again. And it's this anticipation, it's this coming that causes excitement. And our kids get excited with Advent because with each day that passes, something, we're getting closer to Christmas, right? Well, we have a tradition in our family that started with Victoria when she was very little. I was the first time mom. I had one child, and I did everything in excess. Do I have any moms like that? Any moms like that? Oh, come on. Jeez Louise. Thank you. Thank you, Rose. Rose is honest. So we got this Advent calendar, and I thought, okay, okay, okay. How can I take this to the next level? Because anyone who knows me knows God do it big, okay? So the little candy cane that came with it that's missing now wasn't enough. I decided to buy her ornaments that went inside of each square. When I asked her for them, look how many she found. I think she found five out of the 30. A lot of good that did. Um, Anyway, I put these ornaments in each day. So every day, Victoria would wake up, and she'd run with excitement to this little advent calendar, and she'd pull out the first ornament. And the first one she picked out, this one right here, is, you can't see it, it's so tiny, it's a toy box. So the theme for that day was she got her first toy of Christmas. Isn't that cool? Uh Uh-huh, right, Andrea? Cool, isn't it? So that was her first one. And of course, I had to keep making it bigger, right? I had to keep, keep going bigger. So the next one I had was this one right here. Everything had meaning, and it's a little angel. And this one was for going to Old Town Bethlehem that night. So she woke up, I know, creative, right? So she'd get that, and we would go to Old Town Bethlehem, go out to dinner as a family. I'm talking craziness. The next one we had, where is he? This one was my favorite. It's a little nutcracker. And she woke up that morning, I still remember, 
And it was the day that she was going to go to Houston's Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker for the first time. I had, I had dreamed of the day. I did, seriously, that I would take my little girl. I pictured her in this little velvet fluffy dress with patent leather shoes and white socks. On. Come on, right? And I just couldn't wait to take her. This was such a special day. I mean, we had a Christmas tree one where we went to the Festival of Trees. We had ones where we had a, I forget what it was, and we, and we stayed up and watched Christmas movies all night. I mean, I went gangbusters on the Advent calendar. And then I had a second child. <laughs> to my ignorance and lack of knowledge, Courtney, bring me the next one. I figured second child, bigger calendar. I got to fit, fit two different ones in here. Thank you very much. So I get, isn't it gorgeous? It is so fantastic. Because now I've got to do two ornaments for every day, and I've got to think of all of these themes and different things. Because Carter won't do the nutcrackers. So I've got to think of something else for him. I mean, I was going so nuts. It got me so overwhelmed that we downsized from trips to Houston Tchaikovsky to the dollar store. <laughs> you laugh, this is a true story. I went to the dollar store and I grabbed every toy and candy I could imaginable. And the new tradition was no longer going on trips and doing great things. The new tradition was opening your dollar store little uh, candy reindeer that poops, okay? So that was the new thing. That lasted about two years. Until last year, something happened to our tradition. And it's called Mama Got Busy. <laughs> and the kids were driving me crazy. And it's just busy holiday season craziness. You start, how much can we cram in to make it a dream, right? So the, the Advent calendar tradition became uh, a little bit out of sync. I missed a day here. I missed a day there. I remember digging in my purse trying to find a pack of gum or something to stick at the bottom of the tree because they were used to getting something every morning. But I got so inconsistent that about two weeks before Christmas, I stopped doing Advent last year. And something interesting happened. I noticed that over time, they stopped going to the tree. They stopped going to look for the gift. My inconsistency had caused their anticipation to wane, to fade. And therefore, as a result, they stopped going to the Advent calendar. It's up for debate this year as to what Mama's going to do. It's on the wall. Don't know what I'm going to do. But the point is, all of us in life, maybe you don't celebrate Advent like we do. Uh, maybe that's something you've never seen before, and this is all news to you. But I think something we can all identify with is what it feels like to be super excited and have lots of joy and in incredible amounts of hope, only to then have certain things happen in life that don't quite go our way, that cause inconsistencies, right? Inconsistencies that then lead to other things that we're gonna talk about this morning. So just know this, I believe, I truly believe that the Lord's gonna speak to you this morning. I believe that God wants to renew hopes this morning. I believe there are lots of Carter and Victorias that have stopped coming to the Advent calendar because of the consistencies of the inconsistencies of life. And I believe that God is gonna encourage you in such a way today that you're gonna leave here with great hope and renewed expectation of what God can and will do. 
Let's pray. Father, we just come to you with great expectation, great anticipation, Lord, for what you're going to do. We pray, God, we thank you so much for this, this tradition of Advent. May we learn from it today. God, may all of us leave having heard from you. Holy Spirit, would you have your way? Would you open up our hearts? Would you open our minds to understand? Give us ears that hear. Give us eyes that can see your truth. And God, give us the courage to live it out every day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So the secret to the success of Advent is that appreciation and anticipation. Anticipation is a lot like faith. Anticipation is hope. Hope that something good is coming. It is the belief that something good is coming. It might be not at the right time. It might be a little slower. But anticipation is like faith that has hope that something good is going to happen. Proverbs 13, 12 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Did you hear that? All of you have heard that part. But listen to the second part. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. You know, that word deferred doesn't mean that things don't happen. I looked it up. It literally means postponed. And I believe the Lord is saying some of us have lost hope and anticipation in life and in him because we think that God's just not going to pull through. And the Lord's saying, I haven't not pulled through. It's just postponed. It's waiting. I'm waiting. There's a, there's, there's a method to the badness, so to say. And you need to know that this morning. But here's what, here's what I anticipate has happened to your anticipation. I believe, number one, most of us begin our walk with God full of anticipation, right? How many of you, that was you? I mean, you came to know Christ, and immediately great hope filled your life, great anticipation, belief of what we know his hand can and will do. Do you remember those days? Some of you, you're walking in this season right now of renewed great anticipation of how good God is and how great the things he can do are, all right? But we believe God can do great things in our lives. I remember I left Camp Padre having just been saved, and my dad wasn't saved at all. And I can remember leaving camp. Before I left camp, I was on a payphone. Now, for those of you guys who are younger, these were phones <laughs> that you had to put money in to use it. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting on the payphone. Do you guys remember those cards, the calling cards that you would like load up with all this money? Woo, sorry. Rabbit trail. Okay, those were crazy times. Now we just like, now we just say, Siri, <laughs> call. It's crazy. But I remember being on this payphone with my mom. And I was telling my mom about what had happened to me at camp. And immediately, I just began to, to, to cry with great tears of faith and joy because of what God had done. I remember it like it was yesterday. And simultaneously, I started crying because I knew the Lord had promised me that my dad was going to be saved. I heard the voice of the Lord. I knew the Lord had spoken to me. And honestly, before camp, I didn't even know he wasn't saved. I didn't care. I wasn't saved myself. And now all of a sudden, I've met Jesus. My life is transformed. Everything has colors. It was like the Claritin commercial. I could see color for the first time. It was crazy. It was amazing. And God promised me my dad's salvation. And there was this great anticipation about what I knew God could do in my family. And some of you, you have that right now about your finances, your health, your life. In fact, you are a lot like this scripture. Check it out this morning. Hebrews 6, 18 to 19 says, Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge 
for safety. We can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy hope. It is an anchor for our souls. What is an anchor for your souls? Hope. It's an anchor. What does an anchor do? What does an anchor do? It keeps the ship, right, from from mission drift. It helps that ship, if they have to stop, not go float off to Japan. It needs to stay in the Gulf of Mexico. So when they, they, they dock, they lower the anchor, and the ship stays on. And for the Christian, listen up, folks, your hope in God's goodness is your anchor. Your hope and your anticipation that he's not done with you yet, that he hasn't forgotten your situation and the problems, that hope anchors you, and it keeps you from mission drift. It keeps the winds of life from blowing you off course of your destiny. The second thing that I anticipate has happened is that over time, we accidentally let the enemies of anticipation creep in and steal our hope of what we believed God can and will do. Are you with me? See, things happen in life. Mama stops putting gifts under the advent calendar. A plus B plus C didn't equal D, and I prayed that it would. I believed God for that job, and I... And, and I, and I got it, but then I lost it. And many of us go through our Christian lives, and after that initial excitement, as we begin to walk out our salvation, we realize that God's not a genie in a lamp, and that sometimes things aren't going to happen the way we thought they should. And what that causes is we tend to waver. Enemies of anticipation come in and try to steal your faith and your hope. Let's talk about these three enemies real quick this morning. This is what I have seen. This is what I've experienced. The first enemy that comes in when life and faith in Christ doesn't produce perfect, consistent answers for you. This is the first enemy that will try to come in. Are you ready? The first enemy of anticipation is disappointment. Now hang with me. Disappointment in life tends to weaken your faith. That's why it's dangerous. Because disappointment then leads to number two. Disappointment then leads to doubt. And doubt is more dangerous than disappointment. Because let's look at scriptures this morning of what God's word says about doubt. We know that doubt, what's the opposite of doubt? Faith. Very good. Faith. Doubt kills faith. Look at this scripture this morning. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, and without faith, everyone say faith. Without faith, it is impossible, say impossible, to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must do what? Must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So see, disappointment, if you're not careful, will take you a step further and let the second enemy in, and that's doubt. And now, now I'm not so sure that what happened to me with God was real. 
Now I'm not real sure that God promised me that about my spouse. Now I'm not real sure that God's word is true because I read that and I tried to live my life according to it, but these desires just kept coming. And so now, my, now I'm disappointed and now doubt starts creeping in. And doubt causes our faith to waver. Remember the ship being blown back and forth by the winds? Look at what James says. James 1, 6 to 8 says this about doubt. Check it out. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person, what person? The person who doubts. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Ouch. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. And without faith, there's wavering. Your anchor isn't down. See, the anchor goes up back in the ship when we decide, well, I don't know about all this. And now here come storms, and you're blown off course. And the Lord says, don't even ask me for anything if you're, if you're going to wave back and forth. What a strong scripture. Now, here's, here's the most dangerous enemy of all. Disappointment leads to doubt. But doubt leads to a word and an enemy I'm going to call despondency. What in the world is despondency? Look in your notes this morning. Despondency is a state of low spirits caused by loss of hope, loss, total loss, loss of hope and courage. As a result of the inconsistencies, we no longer anticipate the good things of God coming. And those of you, you know who you are. You don't even really expect it anymore. You're despondent. I don't even pray about it anymore. Not because I have faith and I'm trusting and I'm standing because I just don't think he hears me. I'm despondent, which means I'm not even gonna try to care about it anymore. It is what it is. See, it's a loss of courage. It's a loss of hope. And it's a dangerous, dark place to be because it can be difficult to climb out of successfully. Some scientists did an, an experiment using the most disgusting thing I can ever imagine, fleas. Ugh, they're just disgusting. If you study fleas, Taylor went and did a study on fleas and then came back and told us that our dog had them and went into all of these things of that fleas could do to our health and our home. It was like horrible. Fleas are horrible little creatures. But these scientists did an experiment with them. And they got a glass jar and they put a handful of fleas. Isn't this disgusting? I know. They get a handful of fleas and they put it in this glass jar. What do you think the fleas did? They begin pouncing out of the jar. And so scientists, being smart ones that they are, decide let's put a lid on the fleas. But they didn't do a metal lid. They didn't use a metal lid. They didn't use a plastic dark coated lid. They used a clear glass lid. This is true. So they put this clear lid on top of the jar. The fleas immediately begin bouncing, trying to jump out, and they hit the lid. They think they can get out because it's clear, only to find out that they're blocked, only to find out they cannot 
get out any longer. Listen to what it says here. The fleas began jumping and hitting the glass lid, falling back down into the jar. After a while, the fleas conditioned to the presence of the glass lid began jumping slightly below the glass lid so as not to hit it. The scientists then removed the glass lid as it was no longer needed to keep the fleas in the jar. The fleas had learned to limit themselves from jumping beyond the height of the lid. Even when the lid was removed, as they had been conditioned to the fact that they cannot escape from the jar. And I'm not trying to be silly, but you want to know what happened to those fleas? They were faced with disappointment that somehow in their nature of which God made them, they doubted to where they became despondent and no longer tried. And I believe we have a lot of fleas in the room (laughs) this morning. See, those fleas were created to jump. But they had been conditioned through consistent disappointment to not even try anymore. And I believe the Lord is saying that there is not a lid. He's removing that, that you were created to jump out of that. But some of us, we've been disappointed so much and we've hit our head on that glass thing so many times like we have become despondent. I can think of a guy in the Bible who is very, very similar to the story of the fleas. In fact, I could come up with a bunch of them. In fact, like you can choose from a plethora of people in the Bible that things don't go as they planned. You can pick from countless people where they started out with great anticipation. God is speaking to them. God is doing something in their heart and their life. They're excited. There's joy. There's purpose. And then something happens, right? From Abraham and Sarah to Joseph waiting for the dreams to be fulfilled. From David waiting to become king to Job where everything suddenly went bad. The Bible's full of them. But I want to focus on a story in 1 Samuel this morning. I want us to quickly look at a man. Many of you have heard of him, but maybe not this story of how it all started. The man we're going to look at this morning who could write this message and preach it himself is none other than King Saul. Now, hold on. He's not Saul that fell off the horse in the book of Acts and became Paul. So everyone make sure you understand there are two different Pauls. Saul's here. This is Saul and 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, Okay. And for the sake of time, I'm going to tell you the story of what happens. First of all, you need to understand that King Saul was not always King Saul. In fact, there had never been a king in Israel before Saul. Saul's father was a name, man named Kish. Aren't you glad you don't have that name? Hey, Kish, like it's his name, Kish. They're from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, why that's significant is like the Benjaminites were nobodies. They were insignificant. They were small. The smallest tribe of Israel were the Benjaminites. And that's that's where he's from. And in that day and age, and still some of you today, there's the tradition of the father equipping and empowering his son to take the family business. And Kish gives Saul his first mission. Saul, we know, is strong and handsome and capable of great things. Read the story. 
So he shows up. His father has beckoned him has his first assignment. Saul's all excited. He's been waiting for this day to come. He's been training. He's excited. And his father hands him the mission. This is true. He opens the mission papers. And he has been missioned to go on a donkey hunt. Yep. That was his mission. Kish lost a herd of donkeys. <laughs> and Saul's first big assignment of the family business is to go hunt down some stupid donkeys. He's told to take a servant, and he listens and obeys his father, and he goes on a donkey chase hunt. Now, the hunt, now what makes matters worse? Number one, the mission is meaningless unfulfilling, disappointing. I mean, didn't, didn't he see my potential? I mean, surely he knows. I could have, like, I could have at least hunted down the herd of Mustang horses, like anything but some stupid donkeys. And while he's on his mission, they get lost on the mission looking for donkeys. They get so lost that they're now three days into the promised land lost, looking for donkeys. The scripture says they ran out of food and they got very concerned they wouldn't make it home. When all of a sudden the servant says to Saul, um, you know, Saul, I heard there is a prophet in Israel and maybe like if we go talk to him, he can tell us where the donkeys are because prophets just see things, right? They just know things. So Samuel in the story, you know, Gandalf, Right, Gandalf the Great from Lord of the Rings. Kind of that kind of a guy. Like powerful, cool. The prophet of Israel they run into on this meaningless, crazy journey of chasing donkeys. And they run into Samuel, and Samuel says this. The Lord spoke to me yesterday, young man, and he said that at this time, listen closely, guys. At this time, on this day, I was going to meet a young man. And that young man, I am to anoint and bless as the first king of Israel. And you are him. Did you hear me? Now, I'm sure Saul would have never believed that a meaningless, fruitless, unsuccessful mission, disappointing mission, such as searching for some donkeys, would lead him to someone as powerful as Samuel who would then anoint him to become the first ever king of Israel. But it did. That, listen folks, listen Timber Creek, that mission didn't make sense to him. But it made sense to God. Because he knew Samuel was waiting for him. God had Samuel waiting when Saul was lost and hungry and discouraged. His seemingly wasteful, unfruitful mission, listen, was really guiding and moving him towards his destiny. Towards his destiny. You want a life lesson today? Let me give you one. I call it Life Lesson 101. Are you ready? Grab your notes. 
when you feel like life has sent you on a search for a lost herd of donkeys, know God is really leading you towards your destiny. You may have married someone who was unfaithful and you were called to ministry, and now you don't know what to do from here. You feel like you're on a crazy, meaningless donkey chase. And the Lord would say, you're not on a donkey chase. I've got you right where you're supposed to be, and I'm sending a Samuel your way. See, all of us have different things we're going through in life that we would classify that, as, that are probably as meaningless and, and frustrating, doesn't make sense kind of life and journey like King Saul was of chasing donkeys. Here's what happens. This is what tends to happen when we are chasing for donkeys. Number one, we see nothing happening. We feel like nothing's happening. We feel like God has forgotten us. But God sees what and who is coming around the bend. Can you imagine what Saul felt the moment he realized his mission led him straight to the greatest prophet of Israel? So you see nothing happening, but God sees what is coming. Number two, we tend to want a new mission, abort mission. This doesn't make sense. This isn't what God promised me when I was a teenager at camp. This wasn't the marriage I signed up for. This wasn't the job that the job description described. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. My life is not what I thought it would be. And it's not necessarily tragic. You may not even have a list of tragedies you've lived through, but I'll tell you as a Christ follower, you have a list of disappointing moments where you feel like God still hasn't pulled through. And I believe the Lord is saying, you may want a new mission, but he's trying to teach you to trust and follow him. Trust him. He sees what you cannot see. Number three, we feel lost and left all alone and our food is running out, but he knows where you are. And he knows where he's taking you. Number four, we see donkeys. We see donkeys. He sees our destiny. You're looking at the wrong things this morning. You're focused on the donkeys, but he sees your great destiny. This is but a piece, a crucial piece of your puzzle that you've got to get right. Because this is what I believe the Lord wanted me to say to you this morning. Are you ready? Write it down. This is it. I believe the Lord is speaking to someone in here this morning. And if one person walks away with this, I'm happy. Your detour of disappointment has taken you in the direction of your destiny. It's just a detour. Your detour of disappointment is really leading you to your God-given destiny. 
Micah 7, 7 says this. Look at this scripture, folks. It says, but as for me, Micah says, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will watch. I will watch expectantly for the Lord. Which means he's having to wait. Which means God didn't show up right when he prayed. Which means when Micah, the prophet of the Bible, was believing God, God wasn't pulling through yet. It goes on to say, as for me, I don't know about all of you, but as for me, Micah said, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I pray that this truth this morning, Timber Creek Church, as you grab hold of the truth that God's feeding you and speaking to you, your heart today, I pray that as you receive that, that you begin to choose to wait on him expectantly. That you would begin to see your hopes renewed and your anticipation revived. That you would begin to believe good things again are coming on the horizon. Stand with me this morning. Stand with me this morning. See, today God wants to restore our trust in Him. He wants us to begin coming to Him again with excitement and anticipation. What is anticipation? It's the belief that something good is coming. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where life's donkey chase has taken you. I know where they've taken me. And I've li I li lived this many times. But what you need to understand this morning is that with every donkey chase, there's a Samuel. Did you hear me? There's a Samuel. God has Samuels waiting for you. He has moments of destiny ready for you to conquer. You are made in the image of God, which means you have purpose, which means you have a destiny. And the Lord needs your faith to be renewed so you can begin asking him for big things again. My favorite scripture as we close this morning is Jeremiah 33.3. And it's, God says, call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and wonderful things that you don't know yet. He's good. He's good. It may not look good but he's good. It might not look hopeful, but he's worthy. He's trustworthy. He is faithful. He's not done. You're just on a donkey chase. Don't give up. Don't, get, don't lose heart. Don't go back home to daddy and tell him you failed. Keep walking and waiting expectantly for God to send you your Samuel. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray right now, God, that you would speak, Father, to every person, old Christian, new Christian. God, my greatest prayer is that as we leave here this morning, that we would leave not seeing donkeys, but we would leave knowing you see our destiny. Father, may you revive our hearts and our faith this morning. 
I'm believing God to hear great things that come out of this sermon because of the renewed anticipation that is coming back into the hearts of every man that's lost hope, every woman who's given up. Father, I thank you that you are restoring us and renewing us today in Jesus' name. Now, as you leave this morning, we have a Timber Creek Advent calendar. And here's your assignment, Timber Creek. This Advent calendar is a tool. Every day there's a prayer that I want you to, pastor wants us to pray every day. Listen, real quick, I know it's time to go. I challenge you to pray the prayer of each day. And when God answers it, write it in the box. Write it in the box and let us know what God has done. May this serve as a tool to help you pray and renew your anticipation that God is good and He has very good things coming. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for coming to Timber Creek Church.